Hello and welcome to the Retail Podcast. Today we're joined by Tim Waterton from Happy or Not. Rather than keep him hanging on the stream, let me bring Tim onto the stream. Tim, welcome to the podcast. I'd be so surprised if someone hasn't seen your product in a retail, airport, you name it. Your, your product uh, and service has been there. But for those who don't know, you just give us an overview of what, what Happy or Not is all about. Yeah, you're right. Um, we do tend to get seen typically in airports. Um, London Heathrow is the classic one for me. Um, we're deployed, I think, probably across 130 plus countries now, 4,000 brands. A few of the retail brands, I guess, that would pop out would be Lidl, Spa, Inditec, Zara. So lots of varieties of retail. Yeah. Uh, but essentially, people will have seen um, Smiley Terminals. And they'll understand how that kind of works. But the, the real principle behind what we do is very light, in the moment, frictionless capture of feedback at scale. And probably shouldn't be confused, if you like, by the simplicity of the interface. I mean, the smileys are very engaging. They're culturally agnostic. They're language agnostic. That's kind of why they work that way. Um, but there are follow-up questions behind that on different ranges of our devices. And we're able to get that data back to the core in real time, slice it and dice it, match it with other stuff and come up with a whole bunch of insights. So the subtlety and the magic really happens behind the scenes rather than a point of capture. Yeah. But obviously there's really quite a lot to making sure that we stand out as a brand and pop out, if you like, from the background and generate the volumes of feedback that give us the data to chew on. So, I mean, look, let's, let's, let's just unpack that because I think there's, um, you, 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 there's a lot of competition out there in this space and, and people take a different approach to, to feedback. So if, if I'm one of your, I mean, obviously the use cases will, will vary whether you're a grocer and where, where you put the terminals and what you're hoping to get. But what, what do you find? What's the number one reason customers come to you and choose yourselves? What, 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 what's their thinking? And what just to add to that, what did they not think that sort of surprised them once you sort of, they got to know you a little bit better or they started deploying the, because everyone has the perception of, I'm going to get immediate feedback, for example, at point of sale, if someone had a good experience through their path to purchase, right? I assume yeah. that that's, that's top of mind for a lot of folks. Yeah. But what are the things that they don't expect that they get from you? That's a very good question. Um, I think that there's so many examples of deployment, even within retail, because retail in itself is so multifaceted, right? So, yeah. whether, you know, it's uh, high value electronics or whether it's kind of very fast flow convenience store. Fundamentally different businesses for sure. So, one thing is the real time nature. So, real time nature, and I've talked about Heathrow in many situations in convenience stores, in movie theaters, etc. Some of our devices are actually popped into the washroom, right? Because nobody likes a bad washroom. That's a fact of life. A lot of that was employed in washroom. Immediate. Real-time feedback allows people to get in there and deal with any situations they effectively need to deal with. As to, can your terminals be real, like live, as in if you are hitting, you're getting negative sentiment, is it feedback live or is it a collated? Yeah. 
there, I, there's, there is a latency involved, um, obviously, but we're talking like a couple of minutes okay, rather than talking about an hourly chunk yeah. or days, okay. right? So it's not real time in the way of kind of low latency trading on Wall Street. <laughs> we, we're not at that level, but we're not going to invest at that level. Um, yeah. But it's, it's meaningfully real time in the context of an operational team on ground. So things that people are surprised about, they're surprised about when their busy hours are. Right. They're massively surprised at the difference in perception of service from hour to hour. Um, I mean, good examples. I took an example, actually. I think Susan at Spa actually had an interesting experience with us. She, I, familiar with Spa, right? Obviously, a, a grocer of, of some significant scale. First example that they found out was, ironically, a broken fridge. Right. So what actually happened was they started to get a cluster of negative feedback as people were leaving the store, having come back to return milk that was off. Oh, wow. And they were able to look at the open feedback and sit there and realize that there was a spike of people complaining about the milk. They went down that aisle, checked the fridges, and found that one of the fridges was broken, and actually the milk in that refrigeration unit was warm. Got you. So I guess you could find that any bunch of ways, but they got to it quickly. A couple of things. Obviously, you've got the fridge fixed. Yeah. But apart from getting the unit fixed, they changed their operational procedures to make sure that they did a walk around and check the fridges on a regular basis. Similarly, I, I think, again, Susan's examples are always good. Uh, the, the other one was a cluster of negative feedback simply because a member of staff was particularly slow on the checkout. Now, that happened. It was a junior member of staff. So she was able to respond straight away by flipping that person off the checkout, putting a more experienced staff member on the checkout, and then applying some kind of training in the background to get that member of staff up to speed. You know, it's it's many and various. I think some organization was a response actually over busy periods, very, very busy period, and allocation of labor is often an issue, right? So whether we can get more folks onto the tools, onto the checkout process when we need to. But actually the other thing that she did, which is now quite commonplace, I noticed, but she she gave them headsets so they could communicate, so they could discreetly notify each other when they were getting overrun and they needed help. How so did they help? So, sorry, I missed the last point. Identifying pinch points, really. Yeah, so how do you... What's the gap between negative sentiment and attribute to negative sentiment? So if you're picking up negative sentiment, like at the checkout, how are they able to... What, what was the... How do they realize it was actually the person checking them out as opposed to, I don't know, the size of the queue or something? Yeah, sure. So it has a little bit to do with the variety of devices. So we have different devices in different form factors. So from the very lightest of our devices, which is a mini device, which is purely touch buttons and no feedback, it's not a tablet-based device, that can be deployed individually on checkout lanes. So we have an example with a supermarket in New York where they have 27 of their stores rigged out with happy or not equipment. And actually, they have a mini device on every single checkout lane. So they can find out if they're getting negative sentiment on, you know, nine or eight or seven. 
they also have those mini devices or all of the specialty food stands. So the fish stand, you know, the cold meat stand, etc. So they understand if they have a problem there. And they then, interestingly, they complement that by using our tablet device back of house in the breakout areas, supported right. by QR codes on the walls and on the lockers to get employee experience because they understand that sync between employee experience and customer experience. And there's a very strong correlation, um, like statistically and not just uh, intuitively. So it's a smart way for them to do that. It's a smart way to give their employees voice. And I think we probably all acknowledge that, you know, you, if you've got a happy customer, if you've got a happy employee, yeah. that's no guarantee that you're going to deliver a really happy customer experience. But if you've got an unhappy employee, it's it's pretty much certain that it's not going to be a great customer experience. How does that? So when when you look at um, experience and its relationship to conversion, upsell, uh, and you know the financial side of things, again, how what does that look like? Is there is there proven data to say X amount of happy customers led to higher conversion or repeat purchases? Yeah, coming from a CRA position and a sales background, I wish there was an absolutely simple formula to translate those to because it would just make it so much easier to explain to people. Okay. Um, no, I, can't, I genuinely can put some numbers behind it for you. So one of our customers is actually a large convenience store chain in the US. Yeah. Uh, they're actually HQ'd in California. They've got 500 locations, I think, serving across Washington, Oregon, Nevada, I think Colorado as well. Uh, they have been running a project with us for a period of time, a multi-phase rollout project across their fleet, across the brand. And like most customers, they want to know what the impact is. What are you going to do to top line? What are you going to do to my bottom line? And they've run a comparison test between a control set of stores of exactly the same mix of configuration, square footage, etc. And what they noticed was that happy or not stores experienced between a 3% and 5% increase in sales versus the control group. Oh, wow. So obviously that would be specific to their business. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always, that's why I'd love that to be a formula across the piece, but obviously exactly. it isn't. Uh, but it is specific to their business. And, and I would compliment them as they're a, they're a company who look at the data and therefore take action on the data. So the data itself is worth nothing. It's only when customers actually look at the data and decide, actually, yeah, we need to do some more training here, or we need to adjust our staff rostering here, et cetera. But three to 5% is uh, it's hard to buy in today's market. So obviously we're accelerating that project with them and look forward to that being a great success. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone's trying to do more with less, right? Budgets are constraint, inflation's coming down, but still high. Uh, and and there's a especially in the UK there's a cost of living crisis and in some various other countries around the world. So do you find that people naturally drift by wanting to make the invisible visible? That's the primary sort of engagement there, right? Because they're not what what other metric or how else are they supposed to understand how well their store estate is performing? Yeah, 100%. It's trying to surface that magical bit of data that allows me to 
I guess, make small incremental operational improvements that are going to net out um, at an improvement on the bottom line. So that's definitely what they're after. And you used visible and invisible. You're right, it is invisible. Um, it's, it's crazily invisible. But the yeah. kind of feedback you get from this stuff is really like having your customers as your McKinsey giving you advice about what you should do with your business. And they're yeah. not all right, <laughs> for sure. They're not all right. But if you look at that in the round and it's got statistical validity, I would definitely be listening to them all day long. And by the way, the surprise is there's a lot more positive feedback than there is negative feedback. And you asked earlier about what surprises do people get. That's actually probably the biggest one. No way. Wow. Okay. They, they, they're desperately coming to the table looking to how we're going to tune the business and what can we do and what are we doing wrong. Yeah. Funnily enough, they find out an awful lot about what they're doing right because human beings are generous souls at heart, or I like to think so. Yeah. And, and they share positive feedback probably more often than they do negative feedback. And our really smart customers bake that in and make sure they feed that back to frontline staff from regional management and store management and some of the wrap incentive programs around it. I would say the one thing not to do is make it part of a bonus plan, i.e., don't feed somebody with this stick. It's not there to beat anybody with. It's far better to turn around and provide positive reinforcement than than any negative. And how do you see in terms of when you look at um, the evolution? How old is the company? Uh, company's kind of over ten years old now. Okay. Um, I mean, still young, right? In the in the context yeah. of things, it's still a young concept. But I mean, just from experience, I know. Building feedback loops has been that sort of magic nirvana that reads like the one that you said about the bathrooms and making sure, you know, bathrooms in grocers are, you can walk in there and, 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 and it's an okay experience. I'm just curious what, what you see the future, how you see the future then in terms of what, what's the type of, with, with AI, what's the type of world we're moving towards in the feedback space? Yeah, I guess there's a couple of things in there. The, uh, the first one I would pick out is our devices originally, if you go back to that inception point when Heike walked into a particular store and repeatedly got bad service and suddenly decided he was going to go and build a company out of it, which I have to take as pretty impressive response, right? If you yeah. Uh, but we obviously started from purely button-based feedback without having follow-up questions and having open feedback or collection of contact details or all of that kind of capability. But that they're all similar kind of things, right? They build us to the point where we understand what people are thinking, why they're thinking, where and when. So those mm -hmm. four W's are kind of covered. But recently, a good example of AI is our demographics capability. So we layered on that at least a, a subtle nuance of the who. So basically by using the camera and the tablet, uh, not storing anything that we shouldn't be storing, but basically doing uh, facial recognition and being able to establish a demographic fit, yep. we were able to classify that data by age group ranges um, and gender as well, which in retail, you know what it means, right? If I go into Abercrombie & Fitch and I think it's a dark place with loud music, frankly, they're not that bothered because I'm not so much part of their target demographic. Yeah. Um, but they really do care, right? If a 18-year-old is in there and turning around and saying, this place is decidedly naff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, demographics is everything. Um, it's 
it's all the way through retail uh, in terms of looking at football and video analytics, et cetera. So but that's the software side of your business in terms of what you're talking about there. As in the, the software side, as in there's some form of display, you've registered, you know the demographic details, or is that computer vision assumption of demographic details? It's computer vision assumption of demographic details at the point of feedback collection from okay. a variety of devices if the retailer chooses to enable it, et cetera. So it's another way of getting another rich dimension. It puts the who, yeah, alongside the other four Ws. And then uh, the way I see it going is I see a whole load of AI-generated uh, insight rather than pointing and clicking around the charts and the analysis that's there. Yeah. So we're pretty much a notification-based society, right? So what we really want to do is receive a notification. We do that right now with things like real-time alerts. But I would like perhaps to subscribe to the interest over customer service or store presentation or anything about cleanliness. So I could subscribe to an interest area for a range of experience points across a number of stores, etc., And I could receive a consolidated set of insight from that set of subscribed interest. I can always dig back into the data afterwards, but I think that's the way it's going to get because our, our attention spans are so much shorter. Yeah. Well, now we're helping out loads of businesses by providing a managed service. So that's not unusual for SaaS companies. But we're deeply familiar with the data that we produce and we also yeah. understand it across different environments. So. Lots of people are turning around and saying, actually, can you help us run service for us? Can you analyze the data? Can you help us manage some surveys? Actually, can you do specific education for our staff as well? So we have a measure, analyze, educate program as a managed service, which is there to quick start, accelerate, or do the heavy lifting, if you want to look at it yeah. that way. Okay. And then, so in, in terms of, so you, you just see more AI-led analytics on on basically what's happening in your in your store. So rather than... The, the store manager. But there's one thing I always think, poor store manager, especially in grocery, they get so many reports, right? You get like a report on every single aspect of the store and it's like, what do I act on, right? What's priority for me? Uh, or, 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 yeah, for, for them in that in that moment. Um, and I, and I, I guess at some point the AI will say, hey, this is real priority because it has an impact on bottom line. Which is what the, in my mind, that's what feedback really should be able to, to help you accelerate to getting to that. Is this having an impact on people checking out as much, for example? Hundred percent. And and the data that we produce incredibly powerful on its own, way more powerful when it's mashed together with a few other things. So in the smart environment, we look at footfall data as a data source. Uh, we look at the labor management package to look at exactly how many employee hours are deployed on the floor at any one point in time. Um, and we also take the sales data. And we right. can, doing that, we can generate kind of four subsidiary metrics that are very, very insightful because it's kind of counterintuitive actually. In a lot of situations, you look at the data and you think this store is understaffed or this store, they actually really one being understaffed. And in some situations, you then compare it with another store within the control group and you realize that actually another store with less staff 
is serving a higher degree of footfall and getting a higher degree of customer experience. Interesting. And actually speaking to somebody, very insightful comment from um, one of the guys at, at the IGA and the way he looked at it and he deals with this all the time, he said, actually, management teams probably know that that particular store is a problem. They yeah. probably know that it's low engagement. They know it's underperforming, but they don't have the data to point to it and turn around and say, why and what should we do over it? So it's it's really about providing the data that allows somebody to maybe confirm some of the stuff that's in there intuitively, but making a little bit more of a data-driven exercise. So Tim, having worked with a lot of store managers and and retailers in general, and obviously head office workers uh, uh, have a perspective of you know the reports that they produce and you speak to the store manager, but there's this thing about data and action and the discrepancy between the two. And obviously that's why I was really interested in how live sentiment analysis potentially upscales your data I don't know if you have any thoughts. Is that true or is that just, or, or not? Um, are people able to get actionable, on feedback specifically, actionable insights that are, you know, data-driven, but act in the now? Yes, totally. I think it's a really key point. Um, action is the word that, <laughs> that excites people, right? That's That's the bit. That's what it's all built on. And I think the fact that, the feedback is captured in the moment is the key to this one. So I guess my example would be, we're all customers, we all go into retail outlets all the time. We all know what it's like when something's not working out and we can see a resolution for it, but there's no action being taken. And that's a frustration. I can kind of measure it. My blood pressure probably goes up a couple of pips and, and my pulse rate increases as well. So I could be hooked up to something that would detect it. But if I'm given the option at that point in time to share some feedback, not irrational feedback, but actually provide to answer a question, I think this is the problem and this is what I would do about it. That is a really valuable piece of business information in real time. Now, reality is I get through that problem area. I get through that friction point and I guarantee that I'm not even halfway across the parking lot. And that valuable piece of business information is evaporated. It's into the ether. We will never ever get it back. Yeah. Because the negative experience is kind of lodged somewhere in my head and I don't know where that place is. Like I'm yeah. not a neuroscientist, but it persists. It affects my behavior in the future. It affects my probability of coming back and using the same store again. But I want to the next bit of my life, right? Whatever the heck that is. But that piece of business information has effectively been lost unless you captured it in the moment, unless you got it back to the core, unless you gave the operational teams chance to react to it and do something good. So 100% concur, it's all about the action. It's not about the pretty charts and bits and pieces, it's all about the action. And I guess that's where you would consider, you, that's where you differentiate yourselves, I would say, right? Yes, totally. Um, I've worked... I, I think I mentioned at the beginning this, I'm a data guy, a bit of a data nerd. Um, it's been my background. Yeah. So I work with, you know, huge warehouses, marts, lakes, whichever ones you want to call them these days because whichever terms become more fashionable. But, you know, huge terabytes of data sliced every which way from Sunday, millions of charts of different formats, et cetera. The reality is sometimes people ask the question, why is the title in green? Uh, they're really not focused on it. We're, we've got far too much of that. Yeah. So 
yeah, platforms that just serve up a huge amount of charts, I think, are possibly less interesting to retailers. Like you said, they they get a lot of reports, a heck of a lot of reports. Yeah, absolutely. And they've got a lot on their shoulders. So, yeah, it's actionable insight. That's the key. Okay. Um, come to, to the end of the uh, podcast, where can people learn more about, you know, feedback loops and, and what you guys do and help you? Are you at NRF? Are you at any of the major events coming up? We have been to NRF. Um, we tend to not do a whole bunch of events. Um, we get a lot of people coming to us, actually. Yeah. Exactly. I think if you've noticed this, particularly in the retail space as well, reference is everything. Yeah. So people trust what they hear from, from other folks, and we get a huge amount of our inbound business from people having positive experience with us and sharing that with other people. So I would encourage anybody to literally hit the website, happyornot.com, take a look at it, uh, tell us what we can tell you more about what we do yeah. and have a conversation with us because we're actually about trying to help and prescribe the right solution for people. We're not here to sell you something that doesn't fit within the business. If we're not going to make an impact, if we're not going to move the needle, then yeah, we're, we're not going to do business. But if we can, we'd love to. Tim, as you, as you can see, I can carry on asking questions forever, but I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to come and have the conversation. Absolute pleasure, Alex. Really enjoyed it.